Hey folks, repeat here. Just a quick note on this show. I wanted to let you know we are aware that there was an audio problem and we got it fixed about three minutes into the show. So please bear with us for the first three, maybe four minutes of the show. We got the audio problem with Curly fixed. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> We're morons. Why don't you get a toupee with some brains in it? So there I was which is how all great aviation stories start. This is episode 21 with Curly. What do you think about that, Repeat? That's awesome. What are we going to call this show, though? We've, we had to struggle with this one a little bit, but I, I think it we was, got it. Was it, uh, did we settle on Vicious Pack of Lieutenants? A Vicious Pack of Lieutenants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Curly flew with the world-famous Ace of Spades VMA-231. 38 combat missions in Gulf War One, and he describes the intensity of doing his first combat mission, first several combat missions, and actually surviving them in spite of himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's good stories right there. Good stories. Yeah, yeah. How and you know he even said uh, statistically, it's been proven throughout history if you survive your first few combat missions, your situational awareness and your your rate of survival goes up exponentially. <laughs> right, exactly. And that, so in Gulf War One happened about five or six years after that first Top Gun movie, and he said it actually went through his head. You know, the Defense Department regrets to inform you your son is dead because he was stupid. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. we discussed that, and, and as he put it, we put it to other stupid lieutenant tricks. So. <laughs> and we closed the loop on the donut story. Yes, right. He he was there, <laughs> sir. Don't eat the donuts. He was there when it was discovered. In fact, that perhaps uh, those weren't the best donuts to be consuming that morning. Sir, don't eat the donuts. So, this is a very <laughs> fun show to do with uh, with a really solid marine, uh, great aviator, uh, honor grad in his OCS class, and we gave him a due amount of grief over that. So, um, yeah, he's a serious physical fitness stud. Absolutely. So. Uh, Anyway, hey, one other new thing about this show, Fig, is uh, this is our first sponsored show. We were sponsored by Robin's Bird Brain Designs. She does custom slate coasters, among other things. She does many custom items, but custom slate coasters with either flight instruments and your tail number on them, or perhaps your squadron logo and your call sign. That's what I'm getting. Um, if you're not military, then, you know, a university, some logo to some organization or business you're associated with. But she can customize those for you at robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. Listen for more details on that at the end. That solved a lot of my, great. that solved a lot of my Christmas uh, shopping right there, buddy. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Simple. Done for the aviator <laughs> yes. or non-aviator who has everything. It's a it's a classy, custom, thoughtful gift. So that's the cool thing about it. Yes, thank you for that. Strap in, hang on. This is going to be a fun show. Episode twenty-one: A vicious pack of lieutenants. Vicious, vicious. <laughs> Enjoy, folks. That's how every great aviation tale begins. Greetings, folks. Repeat here from Maastricht in the Netherlands. Here with my co-host, Fig. Um, hey, this is Fig, and I am in Newport, Rhode Island. Drinking a Narragansett. Places. I'm having a Narragansett, and it's kind of overcast and 60. It's kind of nice. I'm, I'm here for a family wedding, and we have with us, I'm happy to say, Curly from uh, the Ace of Spades, uh, VMA-223. Welcome, Curly. We'd call that 231. Did I say 223? That was a Freudian slip. It was. (laughs) Well, all good aviators spent time in 223. (laughs) That's right. The finest of fine, finer than frog hair was in VMA-223. Sorry about that, Curly. VMA-231, our sister squadron. I was not insulted. Okay. You're one of our sisters. All right. So there we go. So uh, we got to start out with uh, how, how is it you wound up flying airplanes? I grew up in the middle of New Jersey, 
no aviation in my, uh, you know, close circle family. My dad had been a staff sergeant in the Air Force, 1950s, launching nuclear missiles, were being prepared to launch nuclear missiles in Germany. Okay. So Cold War, height of the Cold War. Height of the Cold War. And, you know, I always wanted to be a, a Marine. Nice. The flying leathernecks. I, I don't know. There's no Marines around me. No one in my family. Who who doesn't want to be a Marine, though, Curly? Right. I mean, come on. Exactly. Sands you're of Iwo Jima, flying you've leathernecks. You've got a captive crowd here right now. We all. <laughs> we, we... <laughs> yeah, and, and don't go fly airplanes unless you want to be a Marine. We all know that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, so and, and from and, a couple of shows ago, as everyone knows, you know, you you uh, semper fi, do or die. You had to be uh, interested in uh, aviation in the Marines, and then uh, you had to get past a uh, gunnery sergeant or a staff sergeant who was a total sadist. <laughs> So, or comedian, yeah, one well, or the other, and, and or both, and yeah. So, uh, so uh, what did you do? Which which path did you choose, sir? I was uh, officer candidate school, PLC junior and senior. Okay. Ah, oh, you had to go twice. Eighty one so, and nineteen eighty three. Yeah. So, like twice. like me, you failed the IQ test and went back for seniors. <laughs> I don't understand it. Right. So you did camp up sure and then main side. Um, what I was did. your, what was your best or worst memory from OCS? You know, best, I don't know if I really want to say this, but, uh, PLC seniors, I was the, uh, Commandant trophy winner, the, uh, honor grad. So, okay. Show's over. That, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. We got a spring butt in our midst. Over- <laughs> I was going to say over- fucking overachiever, <laughs> uh, kiss ass, kiss ass, right? Ass kisser, whatever you want to call it. Uh, pretty impressive. Oh, that's awesome. So you had to like yeah. run a 300 PFT among other things to get that. Yeah. With, with these size 13s, they made a lot of noise, trust me, but they were fast. Okay. Wow. There you go. I, I couldn't run that fast if someone was chasing me with a gun. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, good. It, it, the, the 300 PFT lasted until the uh, full reconstructive knee surgery. Oh, well, there's that. Uh, yeah. You know, pole vaulting with a tent pole. No alcohol involved. Yeah. And that's the end of that. My my understanding is, though, at one point in time, uh, you, you did do some pole vaulting with alcohol involved. Am I correct? Yeah, you're right. Just where I worked prior to going to TBS, um, you know, after college. Just a challenge. Go over a... a, a six or seven foot sign with a tent pole and i made it just the landing wasn't that that changed my life forever who needs a (laughs) phone to land on yeah exactly so and i don't so so here we go so all right so we took a brief break we're talking to an overachiever we took a brief break to fix the audio and we're back now here with curly who was the commandant's honor grad or something along those lines and he he had to tell us unlike skull uh whom god rest his soul we attended his funeral a couple years ago he would never tell anybody that he was the honor grad and you would never know it but curly you were it so well, here, uh, but here's the, the uh, but you busted your knees up pole vaulting over a six, six or seven foot sign with no landing pad, and here we're and we're I, back. Okay, so I did deserve that one, yeah. by the way. But <laughs> the good the good story is you're going to interview Vapor, because okay. he did that also, and uh, mine was presented pregame, Purdue Wisconsin, uh, on the field. His was late at night behind the ROTC building at Cal Berkeley because it was not correct to do any, you know, being military at Cal Berkeley was um, what we'd say, not in vogue. So I always found that as funny. Okay. Uh, I I didn't know he went to Cal Berkeley. I can't wait for that. Uh, That's awesome. He's a genius, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, I'm not kidding. No, I'm sure he is. He makes us all look stupid. Trust me. There's, there's a few of those guys around us that uh, that are indeed, and uh, it's always amazing to me. We lost uh, 
lost a guy when Columbia broke up on reentry, a guy by the name of Dave Brown. I went through Beeville with uh, Dr. Dave. He was a Navy doc, and he talked his detailer into sending him to flight school. And you would never know it talking to him. But, you know, he was one of those 160 IQ guys and then some. But he was just a regular guy. So there's they walk amongst us. But, uh, like aliens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, we, we got way off target. We did. All right, so Officer Cannon School, two summers, two-time two time situational awareness. Uh, I, first of all, Curly, my hat's off to both you and repeat. All you Marines out there that went to two sessions of OCS, I couldn't go back. I mean, I did it in one 10 weeks, and I said to myself, uh, if I was doing this like you guys did two summers, I would probably yeah. wouldn't have gone back. Yeah. I'd have been a Navy guy at that point. So you, uh, you went to, uh, let's see. Uh, VT3. Where'd you go to primary? Were you a Pensacola v- guy or what would you, uh, yeah. Were you a- yeah, it was Meridian VT3 and then Meridian VT7, VT19. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think if I, if I recall, you were there a, uh, 88, 89. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, winged early 89. Yeah. You, say so January. You, were there, you were right. You were, a, you were right a year in front of me. Um, okay. So I showed up probably about the time you were, wait, what, yeah. What month did you get winged crew? February 89. Nice. Okay. So you show up at, yeah. Uh, yeah. at Cherry Point. Hawk is the CEO of the RAG. You go through the RAG. Some good guys there. Yeah. It wasn't Hawk. It was oh. uh, maybe uh, maybe Drano. Okay. No, no, that was later. No, Drano was when we were instructing later. We yeah, instructed right. together two or three. Yeah. I can, it's, I've slept too many times. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, so you get through the rag and you wind up in 231 and you quickly found yourself over in Westpac, the Western Pacific, Iwakuni, maybe a debt down towards uh, the Philippines once or twice. Yeah, that was per a couple episodes ago. Um, CO Venom. Okay. Fantastic officer. Great leader. Good call sign, Venom. So uh, right. uh, we're not going to let Venom eat a donut. There is no way that would that would go poorly. So hence the title of uh, the show a few episodes back, sir. Don't eat the donuts. So he got warned. But uh, what what else might have happened? Yeah, the uh, just one issue on the donuts. We're stupid. There's no doubt. But we're not that stupid. So I don't think Shiny said there was two boxes of donuts. <laughs> I mean, I we didn't put the, def- yeah, we didn't put the deformed donuts in the ready room. I, you know, that could be you know, a court martial offense, I would think. So no, we were at least that smart. <laughs> okay. So uh, for those, for those that are just picking up the show now, there was a, in most squadrons, there was a Lieutenant's Protective Association. But there were a lot of lieutenants in 231. So you guys took it to another level. And you had the LRF. What was the LRF? Lieutenant's Revolutionary Front. So, yeah, 13 lieutenants, 11 captains, two majors, one lieutenant colonel. Very, very junior going to the six-month deployment to the Western Pacific. And, you know, it's just a – it's a rivalry. And then, you know, you'd have captains say, hey, you're going to be a captain someday. And I'm like – Dude, I'm not stupid. They am a, a captain. It's screw you, lieutenants. I mean, that's that's not hard. <laughs> but right? I got heavy, mine. That's Pull a up the heavy rope. lieutenant. <laughs> that's a heavy lieutenant Jo's uh, load there. For crying out loud. Yeah. Like, so, so just just that little rivalry. Even when I was the substance abuse control officer, you know, doing a unit sweep prior to going to Westpac, and you know, not smart enough, didn't know anything first job, one of the first collateral duties in the squadron. And, you know, you get a guy like Buck, you might know him, Captain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so he hands you his bottle and he's kind of holding the cap. You realize later why, because there's piss all over it and and you don't have gloves on. Like, (laughs) all right, all right, I see how this goes. Nice. So lieutenants got together in, in revolution and uh, what what exactly did you do for those who haven't heard the earlier episode? How'd that work out? You know, 
some donuts uh, placed on a private part and a pretty yeah, good yeah. picture. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think there was six or seven. You have the picture posted and it had censored across it. And then putting a box of donuts in the ready room. I walk up with a picture, put it on the bulletin board after they've been eating probably almost all the donuts, you know, free donuts. Who's what, what major is not going right. to eat a donut or and, captain for that matter. <laughs> or captain. And so I put a picture up and uh race comes walking over with it, eating it in his mouth, sees the picture, throws it across the room, smashes the donuts. There was a, uh, all officers meeting, uh, shortly thereafter. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a line that you can cross and, uh, to his credit, Venom said, uh, you've, uh, you crossed the line, but I'm gonna let you bounce off it. And, uh, wow. it never went that far again. So, yeah. Was that, so was that line thrown out in the all officers meeting with yeah. everybody present? Yeah. I think it might've been just lieutenants. I'm not sure, but uh, okay. it was going back and forth. I think he knew it was going to escalate after that one. And it's like, it, this is over. I've, I've, I've allowed you to do this up. You know, you, you, you hung circus, you lieutenants, when we left just three captains in Iwakuni to go to the Philippines, you left, uh, you hung one by a seat crane. Wait, tied explain up. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Explain okay. That. So, so back that up. Yeah. So people don't know circus was a captain. Yeah. He's a captain. Three captains are left. They just did it by that rocket number, you know, uh, our call sign was Shank on the radio. So Shank one through 20 flew the 20 jets down to, I think, Kadena. Okay. So Shank the one being the CO, Shank two being the XO, three the OPSO, yeah. et cetera. Et yeah. Cetera. Whoever's okay. yeah. just so down the, the line by seniority. So the and, senior 20 uh, so guys the, get to fly out. Boom. Yeah. Three captains are left behind. Two are smart enough that I don't want to be with this pack of animals. And uh, one had to go out to eat or something, circus. So he got jumped, uh, hung in the <laughs> in the hangar by a seat crane, duct taped, you know. And uh, did he put up a fight? Oh yeah, uh, it, it wasn't going to matter. I mean, there's, sounds there's like eleven to one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, so, I mean, did it have to be subdued? Did you have to like choke them out and then time no, them? No, or was, did, did he eventually like acquiesce and realize that it was a losing proposition? Yeah, I think it was pretty quick, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, and so. When you got two anyway, Marines on each arm, leg, one on your head, you yeah. still got two guys left <laughs> to take yeah. you up. <laughs> uh, and, and some, and some more. So you better bring, and some then, more. you better bring some more boys <laughs> in, in retaliation. In retaliation, uh -oh. the Philippines uh, Ripper captains jumped him, duct taped him to a, um, a Laos 7 missile launcher on the airplane, you know, for a sidewinder. He's just hanging there, like taped up on it. So he looked like a <laughs> missile. So. so he looks like right out of the scene in uh, True Lies where Arnold looks over and goes, you're fired, and squeezes off the yeah. A9. With the guy hanging off it. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. So this, these, these <laughs> the taping incidents led up to the donuts, correct? That's correct. So the donut was, was the final was the final shot. Yep. Uh, never happened again. Not not that there wasn't rivalry, but it 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 didn't go uh, to buffoonery level. How's that? No. That's a beautiful thing. That's, That's awesome. building camaraderie in the big scheme of things, right? I mean, because yep. there we are. Because shortly thereafter, you guys find yourself uh, en route to uh, a, no, a no shit. This is a no shitter. Uh, Real war. The the flag had gone up. W Gulf War One. Yeah. Gulf War One had broken out or had yeah, in a way it had broken out. We weren't engaged in combat yet, but we found ourselves uh, rapidly going to Saudi Arabia and the Emirates to uh, support the uh, the war in the Gulf. And you guys were a mere six thousand miles east of the Middle East. So how'd you get there, Carly? Six stops, eighteen thousand miles. Uh, a long way trying around. to drag 20 airplanes across the Pacific, across the U.S., over the road to Spain, into Saudi Arabia. It uh, it took a little while. The vet, I think the first stop was uh, Wake Island, then uh, Kaneohe Bay in Hawaii, Yuma, Cherry Point. You scattered airplanes? You scattered yeah, airplanes we scattered everywhere, them everywhere. Right? Yeah, they generator failure. You got two in 
uh, midway, break the hose. Matter of fact, it wasn't break the hose. It was uh, Morris stabbed it, sine wave, hose broke off the KC-10. Oh, boy. Left the basket on the airplanes. We had to land into Iwo Jima with the, with the division. With the, the basket. Is four, is four, four Harriers. Four aircrafts, okay. yeah. <laughs> four or six, I'm not sure. But they got to spend the day in Iwo Jima. You know, it's funny. The trail maintenance was a C-130 Marine. Okay. And the Air Force wanted their basket back. We never gave it back. They kept it, said, hey, we, it, it fell off. So I don't know why. It was like a trophy. Like this right. big, yeah. I, don't know. I, I just remember we kept it. So. Now, now all the uh, Air Force uh, squadrons at uh, C. My Johnson Air Force Base in uh, North Carolina know where their basket is. Yeah, from go check out two thirty one uh, spaces, <laughs> December nineteen ninety. Nice. Yeah, so I made it all the way to Cherry Point, then uh, four flights, four days, and. Then did C-130 over to Rhoda, spent a few days getting ready to go to the desert by staying out all night and uh, begging my wife for more money. Made it to Saudi Arabia, which would be King Abdulaziz Air Base, less than 100 miles from the Kuwait border. Oof. So, so lots, of, lots of air conditioning, swimming pools, dancing girls, yeah. all that stuff. You know, actually, I think Air Force guys would probably have been disappointed. Marines, we had tents, and there was a soccer stadium where the uh, we put a lot of admin spaces. It had air conditioning and showers, and nice. I, I mean, no, no complaints. Not for Marines, that's for sure. Right. Well, and, Curly, uh, for the uh, hey Curly for the un um, unfamiliar that um, the King of Abdul Aziz uh, the the base itself was right next to the soccer stadium because the they had to build a runway so the so the king or prince or whoever was a soccer fan could get back and forth and watch the games, right? Yeah, I, I've heard that. I I, I don't know. <laughs> let's let's go with that. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. It, it even though it was eight thousand feet, it was broken asphalt. Okay. Uh, Hornets Hornets looked at it for a divert and uh, said no. There was no no uh, parallel taxiway. Just AM2 Maddings, the Marine belt for for aircraft. So he just pulled out on the runway, got a thousand foot separation from each airplane and just took off. Didn't matter how much space, you know, in a Harrier, how much runway remaining. So 66 Harriers, two OB-10 squadrons, just a lot going on. Right. Which was key, which was key um, for, for I mean, the reason you know, the Harry could operate off that kind of environment because it didn't take a lot of runway. And they aimed too bad. We, we had already trained or we already trained to operate off stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the, you, you would do either a vertical landing on a vertical landing on the end of the barrel rolling vertical landing, 60 knots. And the D arm area was at the other end of the runway, the North end. Okay. And so they would instruct you that aircraft are going to be taxiing back on the runway. You were to land on center line and then transition to the, say, the west side of the runway, and they'll taxi past you on the east. So you had airplanes taxiing down the runway. Uh, you're you're at taxi speed in 500 feet after you land. Right. right. So you're just, and then you just pull out on the runway. There was a hot refueling. I mean, it, it was it was incredible to see how many airplanes could, uh, you know, you had something like 80 airplanes operating with no parallel taxiway. And only a Harrier could do that. That's for sure. So I know 231 was there. It was 542 was sitting there and was one of the West Coast squadrons there? I hope I don't get it wrong, but I think it was 311. Okay, okay. so the Tomcat's a 311. Yeah, I think it was 311 and then a boat that That's 60 and then... With, was 331 on the boat? Yeah, 331 was okay. on the boat with six, yeah. and I think they came ashore. Or so, or 513. I think 331 might have stayed on the boat. 513 had a debt. I'm not sure. I I'm think they forget. did too, because I think that it was, was Nightmare in that squadron. Do you remember? Yeah, Nightmare was uh, 331. Yeah, so was, it, my recollection was that uh, they were there. And it was Thanksgiving when President Bush and Barbara Bush showed up as a surprise on 
I think it was the Nassau is the boat that they were on. And they, so they're all standing out there at attention and then they put them at parade rest and they went down the line and they greeted all the, uh, all the folks and, uh, don't mention names very often, but nightmares last name was Reagan. And so, uh, he's standing there and Mrs. Bush stands in front of him and he goes something to the effect of ma'am, I'm sorry, I haven't seen a woman in three months, and you smell so nice. May I have a hug? And she, and Barbara Bush was like, "I just love you, Marines." <laughs> Gave him a big <laughs> hug, broke every protocol in the book, and gets a hug from the first lady. So <laughs> that is, and that's that great. It does not surprise me. No, that, oh, that's right. nightmare in a nutshell. We got to get him oh, on okay. and have him chat about oh, that at God. some point. But yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, so you there you there you are deployed to potential combat with uh, fourteen lieutenants, right? Thirteen, fourteen, something lieutenants. like that. Thirteen, yeah. And, and but you you guys were all combat ready because you had been training uh, in Westpac, and so you know you had a you were a fully equipped, armed, and ready to go attack squadron, and uh, five. So, uh, you know, as we know, history, um, festivities did eventually kick off. So tell us about your first combat mission. You know, uh, second day, feet wet, coming to mid-20s, coming inland, feet dry, a lot of of clouds. And uh, not a cloud deck, but just lots of puffy clouds. So it was hard to see the ground. Uh, I mean, you could see the ground. We could only see small portions of the ground and a lot of triple a um, we have a pre-planned target no no uh, uh close air support we're not being okay. controlled by another aircraft or somebody on the ground and uh you know diving down gonna be a 30 degree dive and uh, just working my way between clouds uh okay lots of Triple A had been there, and you're supposed to so, like, deliver some, and something out of World War II. Then, yeah, I, oh, I'm, I'm never going to compare myself to the Eighth Eighth Air Force, but there was more than I've seen. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Time out. Yeah. Like, wow. Out. Yeah. There's lots of stuff going on. Um, Welcome to the diving, war. Diving, 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 and yep. And so, looking for a target want it to be something that is just not a speck on the ground. And finally, I see some AAA, the muzzle flashes. So I quickly pull, put my uh, uh, pipper on or, or, you know, it was a CCIP, constantly computed impact point. And uh, pickle, pull hard, uh, probably a pretty good delivery. Didn't see where the bombs hit. I know it was stable. And then way too much G and jinking off target. Uh, pissed away all my energy. Find myself trying to hide in clouds. You know, I'm at 12,000 feet, 200 and some knots. I should be 350 or, or faster. And uh, <laughs> anyway, nobody got me. Pedal back. You know, the, the, the funniest part about this, the story is we're able to run our videotape that records either records the HUD, which would be the heads up display. And it's, it's what you're looking through at the top of the canopy. Okay. Um, or we've got that six magnification camera, the angle rate bombing system. Yeah. And you could run both. Now they, when you run both, it's half the screen is filled with each. It's harder to see the parameters, but I think the first missions, everybody ran in split screen. Okay. Probably until I until I came back, and then, you know, we're reviewing, doing our bomb damage assessment, uh, and everybody's looking, and they see the AAA. There was more AAA and, and muzzle flashes than I saw that were in my oh, tape. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. But the worst part about that is that delivery occurred below five thousand feet, probably like forty three hundred feet, if I remember correctly. And uh, luckily Holy for cow. me, the C- yeah, the CO was right behind me watching the tape. Like, you know, I don't, we're supposed to pull out by 10,000 feet. You know, I, 
10,000, 5,000. <laughs> what's what's yeah. 5,000 feet among friends, boss? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm speechless right now. That's, that's all I could come up with. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 you know, probably the classic first mission for, for most. Sure. Uh, survive your first five missions and your survival rate goes way up. And uh, not in a desert storm environment as things started to get, uh, you know, the enemy was defeated for the most part pretty quickly, but you know, not in Vietnam or World War II, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. We uh, talked offline at one point in, right. you recalled to me that as you, after that pull up, as you're on the way back up, uh, ever so slowly, uh, something kind of floated by your airplane. Do you remember what that was? Nah, different mission. Oh, is that uh, different? Okay, I thought it was your first oh, mission. Yeah. Okay, yeah. No, a lot later. Yeah, dropping rock eye. It's a Mark 20 cluster munition. That's a 500-pound big white tube. You know, it looks like a bomb. Sure. But uh, four, 247 bomblets in it. And it's that canister opens after the fuse allows it to into four pieces of uh, this huge fiberglass. And then 244 seven bomblets go raining down towards the earth and our, our standard road load was pretty nice because after the second or third day we took the Lao sevens off of the outboard pylons because we didn't need sidewinders you're, you're not vectoring harriers in that environment yeah they're not going to go dogfight they're not going to dogfight so uh so yeah we were carrying six rock eye which was a nice load on parent station and uh lead rolls in on a target and uh, the problem we had was at the time, you could only set it for 1.2 or 4 seconds. This is really meant as a low altitude weapon. Coming in low, dropping hey, uh, these bomblets, 4 totally seconds let, after. Let me stop yeah, go ahead. real quick. Yeah. Uh, uh, just so I, I want you to expand on that. 1.2 or 4 seconds, meaning 1.2 or 4 seconds to what? After it leaves the aircraft. Before the, what? That's the canister is going to open. Okay, yeah, uh, and yeah. so I, obviously the uh, the time that it flies before it opens, it gets closer to the ground, and and of course you guys were dropping from pretty high altitude. No, that was the intent: stay above ten thousand feet. Okay, and so obviously the uh, the the, sir, the sooner it opens, the more dispersed the bomblets are. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting a instead of instead of hitting what you want, keep the bombs pretty close. Hit a something the size of a football field. The, the bomblets will spread out that big. Right. Uh, okay. You're hitting a grid square from up there. It's, it's very <laughs> right. frustrating. Yeah. Right. 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 Which is it, a it, one it, by it, one kilometer square. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just it was frustrating. So uh, China Lake, to their credit, by the end of the war, changed the software, and you were able to pre-dial in. Say, I want it to fall for 20 seconds before okay. the canister opens. Now it's on you. You wouldn't use a computed delivery where the mission computer does it. You had to do a roll stabilized site, just like in the back in the old days, hit all your parameters, speeds, dive angle. Sure. And make that happen. So that was your choice. So anyway, we roll in and it's just getting very frustrated because your bomblets are just spreading out way too, in a too large of an area. And it's hard to hit a target. This is the, the, uh, it wasn't meant to drop from high altitude right. at that time. So anyway, lead rolls in, uh, happens to be the XO, executive officer. Uh, he delivers probably like he's supposed to. Uh, I don't know, maybe even higher. I don't know. And so here's Curly, first lieutenant. Ah, I think I was the captain by that time, but dumbass. I'm just going to push it lower because then my bomblets are going to do better. Nice. And, uh, yep. You know, flares, nice 6G pull, 40 degrees, nose up probably, coming off target, clear six, look for any uh, missiles. Then look up in the HUD and instantly fly through 24 fluttering bomblet casings that are eight or 10 feet long, right through the middle of them. I mean, <laughs> probably two went, went by my canopy, with, you know, 10 feet and... Which and it probably only felt like 10 inches, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, all, all I see is the sky is full of these white fluttering bomb casings or rock guy casings. Literally look up, look for the lead, 
And, you know, what else do you think in your mind is Top Gun's like four years now. It's the Defense Department regrets to inform you. Your son is dead because he's stupid. <laughs> oh, that's, that's harsh. It is harsh. How it's many painful. combat missions did you fly, Curly? It's 38. That's a good uh, right there, buddy. It is. And, you know, uh, I saw at the end of the war guys recording everything they did you know, on the mission, I didn't do any of that, uh, regretfully. So there isn't some that I remember, uh, I say I did get one of the napalm missions. There's very few at the very end, uh, uh Mark 77 firebomb. It's the follow on to napalm, but that's, the, the, that's what everybody knows right. it as is a, uh, you know, yeah. so pretty cool. You walk out to the airplane, it's, it's big canister. It's got jelly balls in it. They fill it with the JP eight jet fuel. So you can't touch it because it's hot. It's having a chemical reaction in there. And I thought that I always thought that was the coolest thing. Walking out to an airplane, the stuff on your wing is, is having this chemical reaction inside. You can't even touch it because it's so hot. Shit. And, and that's a beer. That's like throwing a beer can, you know, it's, it's not a dart. So that's a low altitude weapon. It's meant to be low angle splash and spread it you know spread it yeah out. and Let yeah and we're watching cnn and you know they've got pictures of the harriers only the marine corps has napalm the excuse me mark 77 firebombs uh because you don't want that air force gave that up a long time ago and uh, the marine corps wants it for close proximity because it's not like a bomb that goes off and fragmentation is going out for a, a thousand meters right you know, this, right. this firebomb is, you could use it very close to troops. And uh, on CNN, they're reporting that where Saddam had put those uh, uh, crude oil trenches and he was going to light them on fire to stop the Marines. And my dad, the fire chief, and shortly after the, you know, I call him, it's like, hey, you know, th this is very up his alley. He's like, there's no way you're going to light a fire trench on fire and sustain it. It's like, you guys weren't doing that uh, because he saw it on CNN. Hey, the Marines got napalm. They're going to load and try to burn up those fire trenches. You know, just prior to the brief, they're like, Hey, we, we already know that you can't light those on fire. That's not going to happen with napalm. Yours is to go hit trench trenches. This is a psychological weapon, but again, deliver it high. Okay. Hi. Nice. Yeah. Ugh. And that was not what we were going to do. So I can tell you it was delivered where it was supposed to be. Yeah, well, definitely. 400 yeah, feet is pretty high, right? <laughs> <laughs> that That is actually high. Uh, yeah. Repeat. Yeah. I mean, it, that's, How about that? <laughs> that's higher than I can climb on a ladder. That's really up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got one more of the, uh, just for you guys that, uh, you know, for the Harrier, um, we had a, a turn dead at Tanajib. Okay. So in other words, that's an oil refinery is I think a 6,000 foot little runway. Okay. And about halfway through, you know, whatever those 30 or 40 days of aerial combat, uh, put a turn dead up there. So you could be on the schedule to fly a mission and you would always have a pre-planned mission you're going to go on. Right. And then you check in and when you can no longer, when you don't have enough time on station, right. You have just enough fuel to go do that pre-plan mission. You get released to go do it. So now you're giving the, uh, direct air support center, you know, 30 minutes time on the station where they can use you for a, uh, immediate mission. So, uh, that's the way the Harriers operate go up there, hold, always have something you're going to go do, but you're going to be on station waiting for an immediate mission if you, if needed. And then instead of flying a hundred and some, just over a hundred nautical miles back, you're only 30 miles from Kuwait. So your time on station goes way up and you do a vertical landing on the end of the runway, turn taxi off, uh, shut down, hot, re they refuel, reload, uh, get a bite to eat, get an intel brief, 
and you could be out of there in in 20 minutes 25 minutes to go do another mission well that's awesome nice yeah rock and roll yeah i don't think a lot of people realize and i i don't know of anybody else i'm sure there was somebody but we took off got an immediate mission before getting to kuwait go drop our bombs recover and take off and we in get an immediate mission again. And so I logged a 0.5. Now we were not supposed to go back to Tanaji, but I think the lead was Ajax. And we literally on the, on the air task mode, our schedule, we're not due back for that whole process is supposed to be like three hours. Okay. Right. You go do a mission, go to Tanaji, do it. We literally were now sitting in an hour and 10 minutes. We've already done two minutes, two missions. And so instead of going back, he's like, hey, let's just see if we if they'll let us go back to Tanjeev. So he just contacts, you know, the DASC. Hey, we're going to go back to Tanjeev. Like, sure. So we go back. <laughs> so, land there. so literally that second mission was a 0. 0.5. I looked at my logbook yesterday before I talked to you guys to make sure. And, and I even think I was fibbing there. It was, you know, that, so we did three missions in a total of about three hours. Nice. Wow. Kind of oh, what the hurry we're supposed to do. Right. Not going to compare base, it to anybody. deployed. Yeah. And uh, one section went to a tanker because they talked their way in. You know, they just contacted the, you know, the agency and said, hey, can we go to the tanker? And they're like, sure. Yeah, what and do you need? The, yeah, the tankers are like, sure, the C-130s. Very next day, it said, Harriers will not go to the tanker. Fuel is not meant for you. This is why you are forward-based. <laughs> but but the weather was bad. They didn't drop their bombs. They didn't want to go back. No soup uh, for you. I, yeah. So anyway, wow. those, yeah, the Harrier, I, I thought, you know, susceptible, um, vulnerable. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Hey, explain, uh, and, that. And I, explain that, Curly. Why? Uh, t- tell everybody why. Well, I think everybody that was shot down, you know, you got two, you have, uh, we call them buckets of 30 expendables. So you have a total of 60 expendables. They can be chaff, which is strips of metal that are meant to confuse radar or a, you know, call it a flare to try to defeat a, a infrared heat seeking yeah. missile. So, and the right. biggest threat at the time was those shoulder fired missiles are so small. Uh, the smoke trail only lasts for a short time. And if you weren't looking right in that area, you're not going to see the missile flying up. It's, right. it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not an SA-2. I think it was the SA-6. Or 40. Right? No. When the yeah, SA-6, but I meant the shoulder the Vietnam. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. No, no, SA-9. No, no, SA-9. No. SA nine. Nine, nine, yeah. And then I'm follow, trying to think of the equivalent yeah. of the Stinger. Yep, yep. So basically, instead of a telephone pole coming at you, it's a fence. It's a it's a chain link fence post. Yeah, which, yeah, it's which very, without it's a very smoke small. trail, yeah. without a yeah. smoke trail is virtually it, impossible. As soon as the smoke trail goes out, you're never going to see it. And so most guys are diving in, and stupidly, uh, you know, we're you're worried about having enough flares if you're going to do multiple techs. And because you don't have enough and a later Harriers, the night attack and the radar attack, radar night attack had six buckets, probably the most of anybody internal. So you had 180. So that was a really nice addition for the Harrier, but you're putting out flares and uh, on the, on the dive. And there was a thought that I don't want to highlight myself. You know, I don't want to highlight myself with flares. Right. Right. Uh, so at least off target, you're trying, but, uh, you know, the one thing I will say is you guys know in the Marine Corps, how many times did you actually have flares in peacetime? It was pretty rare. Pretty Half dozen it, flights it, in, in seven years, you know? Yep. I was going to say it was, it, it, it's extremely rare. And yeah. uh, then you have guys go with the air force in exchange and they have, they have flares on every, every sortie. Every sortie. So you would, you would sit at your, you would try to remember to hit the switch uh, on your throttle. It's right on your thumb. But in your mind, you're just pretending. So you really never had them. So, you know, I, I always thought that that was negative training, not having flares. So wait a minute. I got a question here. If you said flares, that didn't confuse the heat-seeking missiles? If you just went chaff and flares? No, that works. That always works. That's what we always said, right? 
I, I think you're right. I think you're flares. Right. <laughs> flares, 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 flares. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have them. But Talks I'm pretending. to flares. Yeah. Missile okay. can't get me now. You, you win. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so the guys that reattacked, uh, you know, because you weren't always delivering all your ordnance on one delivery. Um, uh, that's the guys that were shot down. Because now you haven't broken line of sight. And gotcha. you know they're they're watching you, they're following you, and then that, that I think it was it was learned you need to be putting flares out to cover yourself during the dive. I mean, you're diving down; somebody's going to see you. Don't worry about putting out flares to, and it highlights your position. You know, you need to protect yourself. So, so hey, you learn yeah. some things. Yeah, it's not like you've been doing this uh, all your life. You know, you've been training for it, but now it's real. Yeah, hey, in the squadron, less than a year. So you, you want to talk about yeah. dummy? Well, that's pretty awesome. So you know, we were uh, the rest of us uh, were watching you guys, and you know, it's one of those deals where you know it's better to be uh, what, what do they say? Better to be on the ground wishing you were on the air than on the air wishing you were on the ground. Well, we were on the ground wishing we were in the air. You know, we really were. Yeah. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't blame you. It's it's total luck. You know, it's what squadron when you showed up. Uh, you know, I learned that afterwards. Actually, I, I like this. Go to Shaw Air Force Base. You know, I think in 203 doing some lat, right? Sure. Uh, low altitude tactics. And I go get a weather brief and I've just come back from there. So I look and the airman first class has more ribbons than I do. I just came back from Desert Storm. Like, right. You know, and, and then you'd meet a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps that's got seven UDP deployments. Yeah. And and there was no conflict, you know, I mean, right. so right. he's got right. a couple of rows of ribbons, been out That's there it. seven times defending the country. So it, it, there's a lot of luck involved. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, what, hey, one other thing I wanted to point out, uh, Curly, to your point about the, uh, the risks and the, um, uh, what, you know, lessons learned, but you know, in the Harrier, uh, weight is everything, uh, as you know, cause it's a V-style airplane. So there wasn't a lot of extra space inside the airplane that didn't have vital gear so if the airplane took a hit uh, of any kind generally something vital is going to get injured as opposed to other airplanes that had a little extra room in between vital parts right well or the heat source at the back of the airplane or do i yes. want it you know towards the middle of the airplane I'll right the back <laughs> right yeah which was another vulnerability for the harrier because the hot nozzles are basically in the center of the fuselage just after you know just below the trailing edge of the wing basically instead of like you said on the tail so that uh, that that led to some hole losses for us yep well no doubt you guys got back from the war you, uh did you stay at 231 long after that or did you go to a ground tour what'd you do after that curly you know i did uh went to safety school while i was at 231 so i went to uh, the wing okay. safety and with the, uh, you know, you're still flying position. Um, so I was able to get myself to 203, the, the training squadron. Well, I was at one year at the wing and then two years at the training squadron before I did a FAC tour. Okay. And a FAC is forward air controller. So that was uh, yeah. with, with the grunts or tanks or who'd you do that with? Uh, it was headquarters battalion, 2nd Mardiv, Camp Lejeune. Okay. And uh, I got a question for you guys. Uh, 223, were you there when had an engine failure? And uh, was that Biggs eject? That was, um, I'm trying to think. That uh, No, I, I can tell you that uh, we weren't there then. Uh, the entire time I was the safety officer in 223, we didn't have a class A because I was such an excellent safety officer. Uh, <sighs> let's go Shit. with that. <laughs> Shit, we had three wives there. No, right? Uh, yeah. In fact, I got farmed out to investigate one, and we had, in fact, we had Obi on one hook on the wheel. That was one of the class alphas. I'm trying to think. I think he was before we got there, or am I confusing that with Magnum? You talking about Biggs? Yeah. As in, yeah, I think so. Uh, here, let me let me give you this one. I'm, All right. Because right. you're like the uh, I'm in the ready room instructor, and I'm just drinking coffee, and. A, a student, his uh, canopy unlatched, so it's partially open. Yeah. 
And I think yeah, it was, was Ty. Kind of common occurrence. Yeah. 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 So I think it was Ty. She's declared an emergency. So they're talking to him. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm doing absolutely nothing. And having been a safety officer. You know that if you're a witness, you can't investigate. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> especially, especially the JAG, which I think everybody's heard the show JAG, the Judge Advocate yeah. General. There's two investigations. One's a safety one. One's a legal one. And uh, you definitely don't want to be the JAG officer, assigned as the JAG officer. No. So, so I, I just walk slowly downstairs and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch the recovery just in case. So I see an airplane wave off on 3-2 and I see one coming in to two th runway 2-3 and then a shoot and then an explosion. Like, I, I was only kidding. I really didn't want to see this. Right. <laughs> I really, as it turns out, there were dueling emergencies. Our, uh, our student at 203 got waved off because of a pending engine failure that actually happened just on short final. And I thought it was big, so I could be wrong. And uh, so anyway, if uh, always try to be, well, you really don't want to be the witness, but if you have to be, then you can't do the investigation. Hey, you, exactly. just, you just sparked a spark to memory, Curly. Uh, did, did you tell us at one point um, offline that uh, your first, was it your first sword? <laughs> First sortie at 203, you were in the T-Bird and you're yeah. taxi. Okay, tell me. Yeah, I just went through all the ground school where you learn about the airplane, all the simulators. My first flight with the OPSO, they call it FAM-1 from realization flight one in the front. I think it's FAM-1, you're in the front seat. We're at the hold short of the runway, so you're not on the runway yet. And then we get clearance to uh, uh, position and hold. And just as we do, a two-seat T-Bird comes out of the overhead, the brake, and uh, right above us, uh, we can see him. And all of a sudden, you hear you're on fire, and there's 30, 40 feet of flames behind the airplane. Airplane, the wings level, turns toward the Pamlico Sound. Uh, Ten seconds or so go by, and all of a sudden, two chutes come out, and then the airplane goes into the Pamlico Sound. I couldn't see the airplane crash. There's trees in the way. But uh, watch two chutes come down. Spiko and Bear, and they were recovered by a helo. But of course, this is my first sortie. I've worked my ass off to get here. Ready to go. And I'm ready to go. So I asked the, you know, there's chatter all over on the radio. I'm just a, a dumbass and always have been. And it's just like, sir, are we uh, still going? I'm ready to go. And it's like, no, no safe your seat let's uh pin the canopies get, yeah get, <laughs> call for taxi back plus he was the opposite of the squadron yeah, so right. he just lost an airplane <laughs> i, I saw shoots. two They're shoots fine. i'm sure we're good to go what could go fine. on are we gonna go can we go now yes. hey they're they're fine i saw two good shoots so i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> you would think hey holy shit an airplane just burst in flames i'm like man i can't worry about that kind of crap you shouldn't be oh. flying a harrier if, if you're worried about that right exactly Exactly. These things break, you know, <laughs> sometimes they break when you're near. Don't sweat it. All right. Well, I think uh, we're coming up on an hour. Have we missed any other ones, Curly? We could have you back. No, no, I don't want to come back. The, uh, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. You, uh, you the do, list Curly. is long. You, you and, know. Long and distinguished. Yeah, we know. Here's the, uh, here's the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got. Uh, you, you asked me. Yeah, the, state, uh, what the standard questions are, what's the funniest thing, the scariest thing, or did you ever reach for the handle? So uh, let's ask, let's close it out with that. What's either the yeah, okay. funniest, scariest, or did you ever have your hand on the handle? Yeah, so we'll go funniest, uh, junior, and you'll like this, uh, Philippines, QB point, a division workup uh, for Morris. And Okay, so a division workup is a four-plane leader. To delete yep. four planes, the division is four planes to uh, flying together. So, yeah, okay. so he's 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 going to get a check ride soon to do a. So there's a division leader, someone that's already authorized to take four airplanes out, and that would be Heine. And we've got, uh, four, and I've never had this before, ever. Four uh, loud tens with five inch zoonies on each airplane. Eight. So 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, so you've got 20, you know, rocket pods with these five-inch Zunis, which are the, uh, the coolest things. Yeah. No, no, it's not the, it, it's, it's four rockets per pod. Oh, so you've five. got, yeah, so you've got 16 per airplane. So okay. whatever, right. four times right. 16, I can't do it. Um, it's a lot. It's 64, lot. but if you're doing public, man. <laughs> Here, here's the main thing about Zuni rockets. Don't uh, watch the rockets. Don't right. watch the rockets. Don't watch they are, rockets. They're mesmerizing. When those things leave the jet, they are so fun to watch. Because they leave uh, a smoke ungodly. trail all the way to the deck, right? You just want to watch them until you impact yeah. the deck. Then you wake up dead. And unguided, like, monstrous. Yeah. And you can hear the sonic boom just out in front of the airplane when yeah. they go supersonic. But you're going 500 plus, so it doesn't take yeah. them long. So anyway, we got four of them. And this, I think it's called Tabonis. It's a big rock uh, right outside the harbor. It can't be more than 20 nautical miles. So join up, forecraft, heading out. And the Philippines, they had, you know, it's a pretty poor country back in 1990. And those belt buckles that you would that you would buy out in town had to come from somewhere. So there's these banca, they call them banca boats. They're all surrounded. There's probably five of them surrounding the island. And as soon as you drop some ordnance, these boats go into the target area and try to get scraps of metal so they can later melt it down and use it. And that was the same at uh, other ranges, Scarborough Shoals, Crow Valley. They would literally bury themselves on the range in a hole. I heard and, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so four plane, there's these boats. And, and you're told this is an international incident if you hurt one, hurt someone. It doesn't matter if it's, your, if it's not your fault. You know, the Navy gets, they, they sue the U.S. government, the family does, and you're responsible so this is somebody with a workup and I'm junior butt boy. Um, I'm just dash four and we're circling overhead. It's, we've got clearance to the range, but it's not a controlled range. It's just a rock. And they're not gonna, they're not moving. And these are, this isn't a bomb. This is a missile that can, you know, hit, hit go anywhere and, and yeah and ricochet and go it's unguided so, to unguided rocket number one yeah you know it's supposed yeah. to go fairly straight but if one of the fins doesn't pop out right it could go completely crazy right or or it could hit the hit the rock and and go a long way so you know we're worried but one of us is not worried and that'd be the uh, division lead so morris just puts us up over the target circling off three airplanes. He's going, Hey, I'm going to go try to move them away. And he goes down, does a couple low passes, nothing. They've, they've seen this game before. Well, Heine's the old a four guy and he's a division leader. He's like, no, no, that's this. I'm not going back. I got, we got, this is going to be too much fun. He goes down and says, Hey, uh, Morris, come up. I'll, I'll go down and try to chase him off. And, uh, I'm just circling. Yeah. Been in the squadron a couple months. I've just never seen a wake in the water. Um, he is, he is hauling, you know, 550. He said he saw 10 to 20 in the radar altimeter. And I'm like, he is, there's a wake about 300 feet behind his airplane, just moving across the heart or the water there. And he goes right over the top of him, you know, little canoe with a motor on it. Yeah. I bet that went well. <laughs> yeah, actually, they moved a little, and he came back around and did it again. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I've never laughed amazing. so hard. I'm mean, just sitting in the airplane <laughs> laughing my ass off. I had to take my mask off. I'm like, you know, they, that was they, pretty funny. Did it work? Did they move? It, it worked. It, it worked. Yeah, we got our funny. we got our mission done. Hey, I'll, I'll give awesome. you a, a quick one on that. My son's a JTAC. A joint tactical air controller yes. controls airplanes. Yes. He's in a wait. He's in Iraq and and Jordan. Okay. He's controlling a Jordanian Cobra, very old model. Okay. And right. that guy is going to do a gun run, and he's coming across the desert, low altitude, and out of nowhere, a Toyota pickup truck. And this is just three or four years ago, okay. with a big garbage can in the back, is doing a hundred miles an hour to get in position below him to try to catch the casings in that garbage can what 
it hasn't changed. Oh my! God. That is good stuff right there. Right? Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! Yeah, he said the uh, tailgate was flapping in the you know on every pump. <laughs> it's like uh, I've never seen anything like it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's help him out let's fly over the guys so our casing's yeah oh, yeah a repeat instead almost pull the handle and not really but uh i'd say the closest was an oil light uh we steamed out of the adriatic i got my two beers so we've always heard about those vietnam guys but 60 days i think right and you get two two beers out of sea no port right, we're off right. the coast of angola um you know, sitting, waiting to do a uh, evacuation of Americans from Zaire if the country fell apart, which it's probably already was apart. But anyway, it's going to fall apart. So we're we are well on the on the west side, well below that big what would you call it on Africa that juts out. We're down in the central part of Africa. Uh, it took longer to sail out of the Med to get there than it would to go home. Wow! And oh just sitting for sixty days. I uh, get my two beers, take off. I'm doing an FCF. You know, you got to go to 41,000 feet. I think it was an A card, you know, the, the okay. full that's test of the airplane. Yeah. yeah. So that's a deal. functional check flight after heavy yeah. maintenance is, or some maintenance has been on, done on the airplane. It needs to be checked out before it's handed off to a, your average squadron pilot. Yeah. So, so I'm at, okay. I, I just get up to 41,000 feet and I get an oil light. And, and I hadn't really there's nothing around there. There's not an airplane on the, this is, a, I had a radar night attack airplane uh, on that debt and never saw another airplane except our helicopters uh, ever. There's no jet liners going past. I mean, this place is, there's nothing there. Okay. I'm 110 miles from the ship now and just turned back around. The oil light stayed on for a while, went off, stayed on. And then finally, as I'm recovering board the ship, I do a straight in to the back end of the ship instead of pulling along the ship and do that, that normal 45 degree cross that we do. Right. right. And you're going to land on the back spot. The last thing you want to do is bring an airplane that's about to, you know, the engine in a hover and a crash on the deck and kill ground crew. Right. So anyway, the oil light goes out as I'm, you know, I don't know what altitude coming pretty close to the ship recover on the back end of the ship. So that's probably the closest. And uh, like everybody that's ever talked, been on ship all day long, you're just looking at sharks, you know, you're just running along the ship, look on the side, there's, right. there's sharks out there like, you know, I, I really don't want to go swimming. <laughs> but I will tell you the SAR guys, they never drank when a hairy guy was around. They never paid for, they, they oh, never no. paid for oh, anything. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, our SAR dudes were our buddies. I wanted them to think, who went down? They said it was Curly. Holy shit, we're going to work. You know, we're going to try our hardest to get him. We're going to go get him. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. Absolutely. He bought us beers in Malta. Nice. Absolutely. So that reminds me, part of the functional check flight was to actually shut the engine down to make sure it would relight, which was kind of amazing when you think about it in the single engine airplane. So it reminds me of, uh, did you guys know Reckless? So, yes. Yeah. So Reckless is the maintenance officer at 203, and he takes up Dookie, who is an Italian exchange pilot who looks exactly like Neil Patrick Harris, hence the call sign Doogie. And Doogie was riding with Reckless on a functional check flight. They go up, they're doing everything they need to do, and they get to the point where uh, he goes, Okay, I'm going to shut the engine down now. We're going to relight it. Doogie's like, uh, Reckless, you do know there's only one engine on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, but of course, there's only one. <laughs> Don't shut an engine down, a perfectly good engine. Are you nuts? Right? Who does yeah. that? Yeah. So Nobody. No. And right. why we do it, I don't know. Or why we did it. I don't know if we still do or not. But that's No, no. That 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 if we did that, that was before my time. Yeah. That was just silly. Man, that is awesome stuff, Curly. Thank you for joining us. And you are going to come back. That is not a uh, that is not a question. That's a directive. Just just so I know clear. you have more stories, you <laughs> silly bastard. I got lots of stories. I don't know if they're good. Yeah. Well, they're good. They're all good. They're, they're some There's good the ones. kind of stories that, that get people's attention. That, you know, at cocktail parties, they start. Right. They can't be real. They can't be a real story. And you, that's when you go, really? Well, you don't know the half of it. Oh yeah. That's kind of how that this works. whole thing got started. Really. Exactly right some good ones and some great ones so 
But with that, well, let's go ahead and close it out then. And I will first off start uh, by saying thank you to Dave Hamilton over at the Mac Geek Gab, who's given us all the technical support to uh, get this up and running. If you have any questions for Curly or to Fig uh, or me, you can write to us. We'll get them to Curly if you'd like. Write to Fig at so there I was us or repeat at so there I was us. You can follow us on Facebook at so there I was us slash Facebook or Twitter. So there I was us slash Twitter. And we have a sponsor of sorts at this point, Robin's Bird Brain Designs dot com, which uh, right now featuring slate coasters that are designed with your squadron logo or your aircraft uh, instruments and your tail number, anything along those lines. Basically for the pilot who has everything, if you if you are a pilot and you want a customized coaster, go to robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. Or if you know a pilot and you're looking for a gift for a birthday or Christmas, there you go. Your gift giving is solved. So we'll <laughs> go with that. And in the meantime, I just want to say, Curly, thank you again for joining us. Thank you again for your service. Semper Fi, brother. Semper Fi, Curly. Thank you, gentlemen. Semper Fi. Until next week, check six. How would you boys like to do a little work for me? Sure, we do the best work in town. Yes, and it's guaranteed. Certainly, we're colossal. We're stupendous. We're terrific. We're even superlative. <laughs>